0: The wettest of winters. We had around 120% of normal winter rainfall, so 20% more than we might expect.
1: The savage side of spring. As heating began to fail and snow started to enter carriages, passengers huddled together for warmth. And the value of trees in a changing climate.
2: There's loads of chemical actions going on there, but fundamentally, they're regulating climate.
3: It's Friday, the 5th of March, and you're listening to Weather Snap from the Met Office. Hello, I'm Claire Nazir and this is WeatherSnap, an insider's guide to the week's weather brought to you direct from Met Office HQ. The past three months have been dominated by Atlantic low-pressure systems that brought a lot of rain to the UK. But exactly how wet was it? The winter weather stats, compiled and analysed by the Met Office, were released this week and there are some big numbers to talk about. Here's scientist and manager of the National Climate Information Centre, Dr Mark McCarthy.
0: The winter overall was actually slightly colder than average but there were some sharp contrasts sort of hidden within that so during February we got down to minus 23 which is the lowest temperature we've recorded in the UK since 1995 so that was notable in itself but um, by the later part of the month we were seeing temperatures above 18 so quite a contrast. It was also quite a wet season um, for winters overall so we had uh, around 120 percent of normal winter rainfall so 20% more than we might expect um, but for some parts of the country particularly uh, in the northeast and along this sort of east-facing coasts quite a bit more than that so some places were recording in excess of twice their normal winter rainfall.
3: Were there any particular rainy days that stood out as sort of extreme weather events or was it just the continuous persistent rain over sort of weeks on end?
0: two of the named storms stand out. Um, So we experienced Storm Bella on the 26th of December, uh, and that recorded some exceptionally wet weather over a very large area. And then in mid-January, 18th to 20th of January, we had Storm Christoph resulted in significant flooding in some areas, and will certainly stick in people's minds who experienced that. Rainfall as one of the significant events from the winter.
3: Is this in line with UK climate projections
0: for rainfall? We are seeing increases in our winter rainfall, but we have to look at the longer picture and we won't necessarily see every year being wetter than the previous one due to our climate changing. We do still have those changes from year to year. um, But longer term, yes, we do expect overall our winters will be wetter.
3: Dr Mark McCarthy. The winter rain may have dampened the spirits of the human population, but what impact does extreme rainfall have on our natural systems, and in particular, trees? To find out, I spoke to Pete Leeson, conservationist at the Woodland Trust.
2: We know weather patterns are changing, so is delivering bouts of really bad heavy weather or, or as we've just had this week, some beautiful fine weather early in March. So this changes there. We have modified our landscape, so it's less accepting of change. We've paved our streets, they're paved. We've got sewers, which have a particular capacity. We've got farmland, which is compacted. If you go and dig a spade into an average arable field, you'll find at some level it's compacted. It's no longer allowing water to
3: percolate. Climate trends are suggesting that as we go through the next few decades, our winters are going to become milder and also wetter. So we obviously have a huge responsibility to nurture the land, to be able to cope with it better. And I presume that's one of your jobs.
2: I work with landowners to, persuade is maybe the wrong word, but work with them to try and plant trees. That's really fundamentally what I do. But that's got me into lots of interesting conversations about restoration of the landscape. And these the ideas about using nature to allow us to deal with climate better. We also have droughts. I'm in Cumbria. I, I live in Cumbria. It's extremely wet most of the time. But we've also had really drought-ridden times and very recently. Using our landscape to think about well, what are we setting ourselves up for in the future? If you get your vegetation right, so restore your peatlands. That's critical from a climate change perspective. Storing loads of carbon in your peatlands. Absolutely tick. Get on with that first. Below that, we've got our marginal farms, let's get more trees and hedgerows back in there. We talk about a lot about the loss of the Amazon. Why are we so bothered about that? Because it's a climate regulator, it's a massive driver of climate. Trees transpire. So they're losing water during the day. They're photosynthesizing. They're taking in carbon dioxide. There's loads of chemical actions going on there. But fundamentally, they're regulating climate. So if if it happens at Amazonian scale, it also happens at farm scale. So I deal a lot with farmers. We're looking at hedgerows. And the microclimates that they create, whether it's taking wind off a field or whether it's warming or cooling pastures. In cities, we have big trees. If you're in the summer in a city, you go to a park because you want to sit under a tree, because you want the shade. So it's moving water around all the time. It's changing temperatures all the time. This is what trees do.
3: So Pete, in terms of climate change and working locally, what can we do just to help the cause? There's
2: multiple things you can do, but probably one of the best is go and find a local conservation charity, go and help them and go and plant trees and hedges. We've got loads of people in Cumbria who we're we're working with who who are going volunteering their time, planting hedgerows, planting trees with us. Um, In the projects, we've done about 2 million trees over the last 10 years. Um, I'm I'm aiming to do another 2 million before before I retire. Um, We need volunteers to help us with that project. So come and talk to us.
3: That was Pete Leeson from the Woodland Trust. To find out more about trees and their role in maintaining a healthy climate, visit woodlandtrust.org.uk. Most of us managed to stay dry over the last week thanks to high pressure. But how are conditions set for the next few days? Here's Alex Deacon.
4: A large area of high pressure is sitting across the country this weekend. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be sunny all weekends. There will be quite a lot of cloud around at times. But at night, as the cloud melts away, it means it will turn quite cold and frosty. Certainly Saturday morning likely to start with temperatures even in towns and cities below freezing. And in some rural spots, maybe as low as minus four to minus six. Uh, Generally, a sunny start to Saturday. But as I mentioned, some cloud will develop through the day. So some places could stay fairly gloomy through much of the afternoon. But it does look like a dry weekend by and large, maybe the odd shower across Kent early on and possibly a little bit of rain in the far north of Scotland during Saturday too. By the afternoon, those temperatures creeping up to 6 to 8 Celsius, so not as warm as last weekend, feeling quite chilly if you're stuck under the cloud, but in the sunshine with light winds, it shouldn't feel too bad at all. Quite quickly again on Saturday night, it's going to turn cold and frosty under clear skies, certainly across England and Wales. But for Scotland and Northern Ireland, we are going to see a bit more cloud developing through Saturday night and Sunday as a weak weather front bumps up against the high pressure. So some patchy rain is possible on Sunday, chiefly over northern Scotland. Again, there'll be some bright or sunny spells, but quite a few places staying fairly cloudy on Sunday. And again, temperatures around or a touch below average at uh, 8 or 9 Celsius at best come the afternoon. We are going to see bigger changes with the weather through next week. The high pressure will gradually be eroded and moved away through Monday and Tuesday. Things looking much more unsettled with low pressure and wet and windy weather sweeping in from midweek as the jet stream gets a bit of a kick.
3: So March continuing to swing from dry conditions to wet. But don't complain, it could be a whole lot worse. Here's meteorologist Helen Roberts.
1: As March heralds the beginning of spring, you might be forgiven for thinking the worst of the winter weather is behind us. In fact, March can be a time of tumultuous change as finer conditions battle winter's icy grip. Witness events of 1891 when the UK experienced a storm so terrific that it became known as the Great Blizzard. The storm, which began on the 9th of March, lasted for four days during which nature was battered and many human lives lost. High winds associated with the event are estimated to have felled around half a million trees, whilst heavy snow devastated transport and infrastructure. The southern half of the UK was particularly badly hit. In Dartmoor, Devon, a snowdrift accumulated that was said to be 30 metres deep. The Times newspaper carried reports from the southwest of people and livestock found frozen to death, whilst beaches the length of the English Channel were said to be lined with the remains of numerous wrecked boats. In Cornwall, blizzards caused the loss of the sailing ship Bay of Panama, which foundered off the coast of Porthcallow. Less than half the crew were rescued, the remainder being drowned or frozen as they clung to wreckage. Back inland, the crew of a Dartmoor steam train had a narrow escape when their engine hit a 2 meter high wall of snow, bringing them to a rapid halt. A few miles to the east, the passengers and crew of the express train Zulu endured a worse ordeal when at 3pm on the 11th of March, their train became trapped in drifting snow. As heating began to fail and snow started to enter carriages, passengers huddled together for warmth. Rescue didn't arrive until two days later when a local farmer spotted the top of the train poking up through the snow. Other trains in the area suffered a similar fate, with one reporting snow in trapped carriages reaching the height of the overhead hat racks. In the months following the Great Blizzard, the southern half of the UK saw continued spells of bitterly cold weather, with further blizzards in May and snowdrifts still visible on Dartmoor until well into June. Well,
3: temperatures not quite as extreme as 1891. Here's Martin Bowles with last week's highs and lows.
5: Here are the weather extremes for last week, observed between Monday the 22nd and Sunday the 28th of February. This was the last week of meteorological winter. The highest temperature was 18.4 Celsius at Santum Downham in Suffolk on Wednesday the 24th. This is the highest value recorded for the whole of this winter and definitely counts as t-shirt weather. High pressure rained across much of the UK last week which gave us high daytime temperatures but also quite low nighttime temperatures. The temperature that same Wednesday at Santon Downham started at 1.2 Celsius giving a diurnal range of 17.2 Celsius. However, the lowest temperature of all was minus 5.8 Celsius at Kinbrace in Sutherland on Sunday. High pressure often, but not always, brings long hours of sunshine. 10.2 hours was recorded at Camborne in Cornwall on Sunday. Day length is extending rapidly at this time of year. The greatest daily rainfall was at Keswick in Cumbria, which had 59mm of rain on Tuesday the 23rd.
3: Thanks, Martin. That's it for Weathersnap. I'm Claire Nazir, and editor is Adrian Holloway. Weathersnap is a podcast by the UK Met Office.